Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners. This is Andrew Rimby. I want to thank you all for listening to all of our podcast episodes and supporting the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. If you enjoy all of the podcasts that we're putting out, please do consider making a donation to help grow the literary and artistic vision of the podcast. So go to ivorytowerboilerroom.com and click the donate button. And we really do appreciate it. We also appreciate if you donate to us after reading the creative writing pieces that come out and also all of our big thing pieces that are written by the Ivory Tower Boiler Room team. So any donation that you can give really does help expand this literary and artistic network. There's also some really exciting news that we will be having our very own Patreon page for exclusive subscriber content. Yes, that means some extra podcast episodes, extra writing that we couldn't release. So look for that at the end of September. Thank you all so much. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, welcome to our special rebroadcast, our first ever actually doing this at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. It is September 4th. We want to welcome you all to Back to the Books, uh, Back to School, Back to the Performing Arts Starting to Reopen, which is why we thought this would be one of the best rebroadcasts to do in September. We have the Performing Arts During a Pandemic featuring Renee Chambers Lisiaga. So now Broadway is starting to reopen. Shows are coming back. It's really exciting. Um, and Renee, talked about how she brought Disney's Tarzan to the Norristown area, to the Elmwood Zoo. And I know Adam really enjoyed getting to hear all about my experience with Renee as my musical theater director. So Adam, oh do you want to comment it on was, that? <laughs> it's, it's a trip getting to hear stories about baby Andrew. This is, this is going back like over 10 years for you, right? Or about 10 years? Yes, back to my um, junior to senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, so, so that that's that's a. I mean, first of all, I I recognize you from that. Like, there are a lot of a lot of the same qualities, obviously. Um, but it's 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 so nice hearing a conversation between old friends. I mean, that's a big part of what podcasting is. Like, a lot of a lot of the time, we're we're getting to know a stranger. And that's the interview dynamic, but it's so nice to hear a conversation between old friends. And that's exactly what this is. And it's also, I mean, it's it's nice to hear somebody who's able to match your optimism because, because we know that I cannot. Well, and Adam is starting <laughs> to get a little more optimistic. Maybe it's this back to the books theme. So I think he's starting like to books. actually try optimism as a method. Um, but It doesn't come in my size. <laughs> no, I want you to have the 
comes in all sizes type of socks. Um, that'll be your brand of optimism. <laughs> so like Adam said, even when I re-listened to Renee's interview um, with me, that she has such energy and that energy really carries. So we hope you all really feel yeah. the empowerment. And also she talks a lot, a lot about cultivating your purpose and passion and um, it always just inspires me to hear from her about what it really means to just follow the stars and follow where your intuition is taking you. So yeah, it's, it's also, yeah, go ahead. It's also, it's also really nice to hear her talk about problem solving. Like the thing, the thing that, the thing that I think is so important about this episode is that we recorded it in October, which was, I don't know, it was a dark time for a lot of us. And the performance she's talking about, the Tarzan performance was only about a month earlier, right? At the tail end of the first summer of COVID. Um, so she's like an astronaut without a suit, just trying to make the most of the situation. And it, it did feel, I remember preparing this interview with Andrew for, our, for, for release and feeling like, here's a person who's in a set of circumstances, not unlike mine, who's finding a way through. And that makes me think that I can find a way through. And we need that right now, just like we did in October. Yeah, we need that network. We need that support. And I would also say too, Renee will get really into, and for all of those who haven't heard it, which I know is a lot of our audience, you're in for a treat because when she just explains how they actually staged Tarzan with all the COVID protocols, it's really inspiring. And I know Renee, I've checked it back in with her. She has had um, a film that's about to be released that she was in, that's a horror movie. Um, and we'll include that in the blurb. Um, so go to our website to see what the film is. You can watch the trailer. She has, um, unfortunately, an untimely death in the trailer. Uh, so we know what happens to the character, but she's- I mean, it's a horror movie. Yeah, well, you never know. It could be the savior. Oh, it's one of those nice horror movies, come on. <laughs> but she also has been really busy training her private students. And I know getting back into choreo- um choreographing and being involved with theater companies. So Renee is busy. Um, I know though she's really excited to be the back to the schools opening. And we also kind of want to tease what we have coming up in September. So I'll start our episode. We're not going to give too much away, but it's called behind the scenes of academic editing. And it's actually with the editor's that I got to work with for my talking back to Walt Whitman, questioning poet of democracy framework that I did. So it's about yeah. Bell Hooks's theme of transgressive pedagogy. I'm so excited for everyone. Adam hasn't even heard it. So it's really gonna be a behind the scenes for him. Um, so but I took a look yeah. at the article before I went to press. So I'm very excited to see it from the other side. Yeah. And then Adam, who is right after right. the academic Okay, so editing? after that, after that Andrew and I together are interviewing Karen, Dr. Karen Kelsky and Kel Weinhold of The Professor Is In. That's, I'm, I'm so glad you got us, uh, you got them in the door because that was, that was a fantastic conversation. The two of them have such a great dynamic and they were such, such good interviewees. Um, 
and what they're doing at the professor's in is so important and you'll you'll hear that with when when we inter, uh, when we release our next guest michael neverdakis um andrew calls him a professor is in case study and i think that's i think that's exactly right um because things are not well in academia the house is not in order and so it's it's so important that the kids aren't like, all right so to speak. oh my god <laughs> uh, I, it's so yeah. it's so important that people like uh karen and kel are are coming forward and saying we will help you and it's so important that someone like dr neverdakis is coming forward and saying i'm getting i'm getting a short the short end of the stick in my academic job yeah, and even the editors, I mean, all of you are getting my own idea and vision about the podcast, which is the interviews have lined up in a certain way <laughs> on purpose because even the academic editors are talking about it's a very untraditional approach that they do in this journal because it's open access, it's free to the public. You all get to read this journal, which is not common in academia. That's something we don't even talk about. The the subscriptions to places like JSTOR are, are highway robbery. Yeah, so- and it, and it limits who gets to become an academic. Exactly. And I think every interview in September, including Renee, um, thanks Renee for kicking this off. It's all about that open access. I mean, for Renee, it's about literally being in the zoo and this open experience with families literally sitting on their car and watching Tarzan. And I don't know what's more public access than being out in the woods as you're, you know, listening to the exciting beginning of um, two, wor two Worlds. Yeah, that's the opening. And then You'll Be In My Heart, which is actually one of my oh. favorites. Well, but exactly. If you can't come to the theater, people like Renee are trying to bring the theater to you. And, then, and that's yeah. and that's the same that's the same theme that uh, that Karen and Kel are doing, right? Pe there are people who whose access to the ivory tower is blocked, so they're setting up a shop outside. Exactly. And of course, and that was the inspiration for us to do the same thing. Exactly. Or to do yeah, a and you hear yeah, and you can tell Adam and I are really excited because you hear about how I gained the inspiration about Ivory Tower's vision along, you know, I've taken Adam along this journey of just, wait, I have to tell you, Adam, where I'm getting all of my creative vision from, which is the professor is in. Um, also Rumble with Michael Moore, that was actually one of the bases for thinking about podcasting. Um, so hi, Michael Moore, thank you. Um, and any podcast that really just wanted to dissect technical language or specialties, but deliver it to the public. So we are a public humanities organization and every interview that happens in September fits under that. And, you know, whether it's from Renee literally saying she's getting back to the roots of ancient theater, um, whether it's the academic editing staff thinking about, well, wait, we're doing something different by actually looking at a queer of color, but also just a disability studies framework, which happens in that journal. Um, accessibility, um, the professor is in, Adam's already talked about, and with 
Dr. Neverdakis, we get that same idea of, well, how am I going to pivot and how am I going to make sure my research is shown to the public? So, oh, it's exciting, Adam. I'm ready for September. Um, and also, I'm really happy that we've made it a year. I know we're going to have more years to come. And I thank you again for just, you know, being that co-creator along the way and, uh, you know, it, with me right now, this is really touching. And it's also um, a testament to the energy that yeah. we've put into this. Yeah, it's nice to think that all those months ago in October, when we were uh, workshopping the podcast for, uh, not workshopping, um, splicing, editing the podcast for, um, for release, that, that we would be sitting here 11 months later yeah. And having Engage, so many, engaged in the same pursuit. Yeah. And actually having interviews that I have booked up until the summer. I mean, we're now, I'm now in a one year basis, which we've yeah, rapidly. Getting, getting a meeting with Andrew, Andrew is worse than Lincoln Center at this point. Not for my closest friends, no. And Aww. not for the Ivory Tower Boiler Room team or Aww. my students, too. They get to see me. I mean, no, three times during the week. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think we're so grateful for all the interviews that have come through, but also those who really want to share their research and work and their creative drive. That's what it's all come down to. These are kind of their horror drives. stories. Let's well, be real. Yeah, some, and a lot have obstacles. That's true. Um, but we're going to leave you on the empowering narrative that Renee provides. And Renee talks about obstacles that she overcame and lessons she learned yeah. um, from her experience because, you know, Renee started performing, I think she says when she was professionally performing, when she was in her teens, like she started very young professionally performing, but she came from, again, an artistic family and musicians. So um, she learned about if there's any takeaway i will always remember from renee always take the notes that's my line because it was very true and it's something i always tell students but also anyone who now comes to us about podcasting or any vision they have that's entrepreneurial um make sure that you apply the critiques but also Make sure you're not afraid of risk-taking. And Adam's heard me say it a lot, right? What's my number one advice, Adam, about networking? Make cold calls. Yes, make cold calls. Do not be scared of those emails. Don't be scared of just reaching yeah. out to someone on social media and saying, I respect your work. Is there any way I could ever yeah, talk with you? Because absolutely, they want to give back. The majority of creators want to give back. And don't be upset if they don't get back to you, just like auditioning. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> they just don't have time. Uh, but okay, well, Adam, thank you again. Thanks for being here for this intro. And oh, we hope shucks. you all enjoy. Happy September, everyone. Take care, everyone.
when did you actually first get into the professional business, would you say? Um, you know what? I don't know. My, my mom, I blame it on my mom and dad. Uh, you know, they were at all the concerts, Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, they were at Woodstock. Uh, you know, I mean, my father's a guitarist. So, I mean, you know, he'd hang out with Jimi Hendrix and all the people that were just amazing. Yeah. So I blame my mom and dad. You know what I mean? For being those rock and roll hippies back then. They're conservative now, but back then. And, uh, you know, for just, um, I was always around music. So it was, it was in my blood. My brother, he plays 10 different instruments by ear. He writes, he composes. Uh, I moved my music out when I would hear it. And so I knew at like four or five years old, you know, I'd have the hairbrush and I'm going and do you know what I mean? Just everyone around me, Patti LaBelle, growing up with people like that, Marvin Gaye in my home. I mean, these are some of your classic R&B, do you know what I mean? Legends, you know, that, that it's, so it was just normal, I think, and just natural uh, for, for that music and the, the love of performing and the performing arts uh, to happen. Um, so at four or five years old, I knew and then by that time that my parents had us, they switched. They went from doing the music and the tours, you know, when you're young, that's when you do it. And then they switched, went back to college and got their degrees in teaching. So my, mo my mother's words, yeah. So the arts and education, those are my two, like, I, I, that are dear to my heart. So, you know, so they did the flip and then my husband and I did the same thing. You know, we did our touring and our shows and everything, you know, for, you know, being young into our late thirties, early forties. And I was like, oh, it's time to have some kids. You know, cause I was like, oh, the time is ticking. I have two teenagers, 16 and 20. Uh, my daughter, my oldest just turned 20 years old. And so now we're on the other end. So I'm coaching and teaching, you know, I'm very active uh, within my community. I, I serve on a few boards at Rowan University here in New Jersey and a few other colleges, smaller colleges. So the arts and education, that's always been my heart. So we kind of did the same thing that my parents did, that flip-flop. Yeah, and how old were you when you actually first did your international touring and met your husband? Oh, okay, well, let me see, I don't, I don't have, I wish I could find that Hershey Park picture, but we met at Hershey Park when we were in college. Okay. So I was in my junior year at Adelphi and, you know, going to all the auditions and everything. And, oh man, I'll never forget because they didn't have, I remembered I auditioned at Hofstra. Uh, I knew I wanted to go to college in New York because that's where Broadway is, right? I didn't know. I was like, I got, I didn't care. I got accepted to Montclair, full scholarship, blah, 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 Rutgers, blah, blah, blah. But 30 years ago, they did not have musical theater departments. Even Hofstra's was separate. Stony Brook didn't have a musical theater program. Adelphi had just started their musical theater program. So, you know, where the dancers and the singers and the actors could all, you know, a BFA. And uh, so that's why I decided to go to Adelphi. But um, it was my junior year. Um, we were, I was auditioning for shows and I met my husband at Hershey Park. So, and the choreographers at Hershey Park were doing shows on Broadway. They were doing a chorus line. So here you have this tight knit circle, you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have all the stuff, you know, and websites. It was, you know, once you got the show and booked the show, you were on time, you stayed focused, you did your job, you know, I'm like 17, 18 years old doing these uh, theme park shows, but it's with people that were already on Broadway and young producers. And that's how I got into that circle. 
So it was like, as soon as you got the show, they would just call you, hey, Renee, do you want to come in for the uh, Disney audition? Hey, Renee, do you want to do this? So it was, it was being in that circle, but then showing up, being on time, being quiet until you were, you know, asked the question, you know, because it, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's very interesting because this is what I try to teach my students now. Everybody's talented. Talent mm -hmm. means nothing. It's, did you do your homework? Did you show up on time? Do you have respect? It's all about that because talent is a dime a dozen. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, so I first met you when I was 16. I think I was 16 going on 17. Yep. Wait, that's almost a song from Sound of Music. Um, but I had met you and you were directing Smokey Joe's Cafe because you had been on the tour production of it, but also you were a standby on Broadway for it. Okay, that's true. Okay. And I just remember hearing all of the stories about you in the business when, if I remember correctly, you know German because you had been touring in Germany on yes. an Andrew Lloyd Webber on Starlight Express, I think. Yeah, a, cu a couple of shows. Well, actually, it's interesting because um, my great-grandmother, meine Übergroßmutter, war Deutsch. She was half German. Still, Steilman. Yeah, as, as German as you can get. Uh, she married my great-grandfather, who was Cherokee Indian and African. So living here in this area in the Pines in South Jersey back then, was, it was pretty amazing. Do you know what I mean? To be able to have like a multicultural family, which I love. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we moved our family back here in this area in South Jersey, because our family heritage, our family legacy. Um, I'm not sure if how many of you have heard of uh, William Still. He helped Harriet Tubman on the Underground Railroad. Yeah, that, that's my great, 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 great grandfather, four generations. Yeah, so I got roots. <laughs> I got major family roots here in this area. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just awesome to, you know, to have that uh, family legacy uh, at, and at the same time, um, you know, be able to t extend it. So, so Andrew, so yeah, so that's why I know a little bit of German, but my husband and I, when the Broadway company of Starlight Express closed, they asked us to go to Germany to do the German production. So that was like 30, something. that was a while ago too. <clears throat> that, that was my second big, big show after, right after college. It was like, boom. and then right away, just started booking all these shows. And my husband and I booked them together. Uh, so, you know, the whole show is in German. The ugliest language ever to sing in. You were spitting. It's like, ich mach mit. And it's just like, it's so guttural. Yeah, it's just, it's disgusting. It is, I'm just saying. <laughs> but but the coolest thing was, is that we would have phonetics every day, and then you had your lyrics and your choreography. Now, we had l learned Starlight Express first in German, and then when that show closed, then we went back to the Broadway company and then the U.S. tour. So my husband and I did this three times with three different shows, Starlight Express, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which was a nightmare because of all those colors. And then I would sing, I would start in English and then sing in German and then go back and forth. So, so there was only me from the US tour that was in Germany and a good friend of mine named JC who was in the UK tour in the British production. So we would hear our names called out. JC Antoine, please go to phonetics. And we're like, crap, because we were the only two English speaking, do you know what I mean, in the German company. So they knew when you weren't going, it war blau und grün, red, purple, silver. I would forget my colors in German. So I would just do it came naturally, which was, you know, we just finished doing a couple of year tour in the States of Joseph. 
So automatically, I'm going right to English or right to German. So uh, what brings me to Smokey Joe's? So I ended up, uh, and it was so nerve-wracking, uh, and Andy, I could share this with you. I remembered uh, getting um, a call from the producers for Smokey Joe's Cafe from New, from New York. So this is Jerry Zachs, who directs everything on Broadway. He was amazing. Uh, at the time, uh, it was um, Joey McNeely, who was the original choreographer, who I adored, just looked up to him like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm in my late 20s, and they call me from Germany. They know that I just finished doing Joseph. Yeah, this was Joseph. Joseph in Germany, in German. So they call me from Germany. I'm like, all right, how'd you even find my number? Remember, this is before the internet, everybody. <laughs> this is before, they would just track you down and find you. You know, remember the faxes? Who remembers fax machines? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. So they're saying, Renee, we're going to fly you into New York City and you're going to audition for Smokey Joe's Cafe because we're doing a European tour. We're going to Germany, Switzerland, blah, blah, blah. We need someone that knows the culture, that speaks German. We want you to do the show and possibly swing. So they send me like 50,000 fax sheets of song and I had less than a week to learn it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, help me. Like it was so nerve wracking. So, you know, beside the jet lag. So I fly there, get to New York, you know, I'm practicing. I have my boa. I have everything, right? My mom, you know, this is before kids, obviously, everybody, before I had my children. And um, I get to New York. And I'm yawning. I'm exhausted because it's a you know six and a half, seven hour flight. Hello, you're going from European time back to New York. And I'm yawning. And I'm like trying to stay awake. And I know all I had to learn two songs, I think, off book within a week. Right. And all the choreography. And this is before Internet. So this is just writing. This is just with the notes from Jerry Zachs, from the director from Broadway and, and, and his assistants. And I get there and Joey McNeely is like, Renee, I know you're tired. I know you're jet lagged. But just sing the song to us, girlfriend. Just relax. Just close your eyes. Pretend we're not there. Closed my eyes, took a big breath, performed it. They looked at me. I looked at them, went outside in the hallway, waited, and they hired me right there on the spot. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, like, would you say the lesson of that is you had such a network, it seems, where they really looked up to you as, okay, Renee is a professional. She knows the German culture, uh, and she's always going to show up on time. And, you know, and I think if I could tell everyone who's watching this, that was the lesson that I've carried after having you as a director is, you know, show up on time. If you can't make something, message you right away. Yeah. And, you know, make sure that you're, I'm sure you could speak to the story better than I can, but, you know, make sure you dress for the part during rehearsals. Oh yeah, oh, this is a great, I love this one because it was so funny. When Andrew and I connected the other day, I had just realized that I remembered this like it was yesterday because I remember telling, and, and uh, one of my assistants, his name is Ricky Whitfield. He did uh, Richie and, and a couple of the Of Course lines. He's, he, Ricky, Ricky's at least 15 years younger than me. So he reminds me of my brother, but he's amazing. He's an old soul, old spirit, very organized, very focused. He was doing a production of a, a cabaret show in Beijing, China, while we were here. And that's when Skype first came out. Him and I are Skyping, choreographing. He's in China. I'm in New Jersey. Literally, we, we rehearsed, directed, produced it, the whole, the whole show on Skype. 
and we had two weeks to teach Andrew and Andy, you were the youngest, I think, and maybe one or two other high school kids. But I remembered you at that audition. I think I have old clips somewhere, Andy. I'm going to have to send it to you on my, on the desk, on my desktop. And I just remembered, you know, he had this bright smile. He was focused. He wasn't yakking and yikki, yikki, yikki. Because sometimes it's so noisy, you know, when you're trying to run an audition or you're trying to do a production and you hear all this noise, it becomes, you know, if you're creative, right? How many of you understand that? If, if you're creative, you can only hear like your voice and maybe one other voice at a time, you know? And I just remember him just being, because he was nice and long. You were always tall. So he was nice and long and tall. I'm like, how's that boy? He's nice and long. You know, his shoulders are back and he's got like this presence, like already. He was just like, I'm here. And I was like, who's that? You know, because I, I didn't, that was my first time meeting you at that audition. And he did an amazing audition. He danced well, but he already had this beautiful voice, but he had this smile and he was just, just genuine, like I'm here. So fast forward. We have about two and a half weeks, three weeks to put up Smokey Joe's. And it was in the middle of the snowstorm. You remember? Because it was in February. Do you remember that? There was a blizzard. And, you know, I have adults. We, we picked some, some adults that I knew that were jazz singers from New York and Philadelphia, you know, coming in. So it was a mixture. And Andrew got to work with, you know, other professional performers that had done Broadway and, you know, j uh, jazz gigs and singing with like Stanley Turrentine and all these big names, you know. So he had an opportunity to work with these people. And, you know, we'd be driving in, everybody's coming in from different places. Ricky would come in from New York and he would what be there on time. He was my dance captain, he was my assistant and he was in the show and his boyfriend was in the show. Now, if they had to take two trains, I had to pick them up, what was it, Lindenwald Station to drive down to main stage. Now, if he could be there on time, why couldn't my performance from Philly, I would be on them. And I remembered one night, I remember telling everybody, okay, look, it's Smokey Joe's Cafe. You know, it's set during that era, the 30s and 40s. You've got great, you know, music by Benny E. King, Stand By Me. You know, the women are dressed and beautiful. The men have their black slacks on and their suits. We don't have sweatpants on while we're in rehearsals. I, I think I said this once, yeah. right, Andrew? Yeah. Andrew is just as quiet sitting there. This is like the first or second rehearsal. Just as quiet. And he's got a notebook. And he's writing something. Because remember, not everybody had, we had flip phones. Not everybody had a, you know, cell phone. And he's just writing. And I'm like, I'm noticing, I'm like, yes, because that's what I did when I was 15, 16. Do you know what I mean? Was I would write everything down, you know? I wasn't like, well, I know what I'm doing. I was like, mm, zippity zip, you know what I mean? Until somebody older said, oh, Renee, do you have an opinion or do you want to chime in? But other than that, I better have known my music, my notes. I better have known my blocking, my choreography before I started going, oh, well, I'm fabulous. And I'm like, you know, we had a few people, right, Andy, in, in that show that were just like, and I was like, oh, you need to tune it down or else it's going to be your first and last show with me. And some, some of them, that did happen. But I remembered saying it once, please don't come with sweatpants or shorts because you're doing a style of a show, you know what I mean? Where the men have the suits and the women, you know, the dresses and you have to have that line and just that look, right? You know, it, because it's a, it's, a, it's a showcase, but it's, it's very specific to what this show entails and what the show, and plus, I mean, Jerry Zachs had poured into me all these Broadway directors that I worked with. So now I'm getting ready to pour it to the high school you know, students and the college students that are there. I'm like, look, you got, if you want to make it to Broadway, let alone Broad Street in Philly, you have to take the notes. You know what I mean? You, you have to take the notes and you have to apply it. Andrew's over there writing, 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 writing. The next week we come in and I'm, I, look, there's traffic over the bridge in Philadelphia and I know that, but my cell phone's blowing up, my flip phone, Renee, nay, nay, I'm going to be late. It's 15 minutes late. I'm like, I know you're going to be late. You're not here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> don't text me 15 minutes into the rehearsal because then it distracts me from you know doing what I'm doing. So we're sitting there and we're getting ready to go up on stage and I'm waiting to check and see who's here. Who took the note from the from the first week when I said about dressing the part? So I'm talking, I'm like, wait a minute. And, and who Andrew, Andrew's on time. He doesn't even drive. I remember saying that he doesn't even drive and he's on time. You know, and I said, and some of you live down the street and you drive. So don't blame your mom and dad. Oh, my mom and dad didn't drive me. Or, oh, I forgot my din din. Oh no, they were like 18, 19, 20. They were grown enough to know better. And then I said, and look, Andrew's got his black slacks on. I was like, thank you. Somebody actually dressed the way that I asked them to dress tonight. And Andrew, I just remember you had the smile, like, look at me. <laughs> it, was, it was the coolest, sweetest thing. And then Ricky was like, Oh, he's sharp. Yeah, yeah, he's going to do stuff. He, yeah, okay, yeah, he, he's good. He knows what he's, but he, he, Andrew, you totally just took the note and he applied it and he's 16 years old. You know what I mean? He's, he's taking it all in. And so my, my eye and my attention and my ear to his talent goes more toward him than it does the people that are like, oh, look at me, look at me. I'm like, yeah, but you were 15 minutes late. You're not dressed right. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's not about the talent. It's about that dedication and who's showing up and who's going to do above and beyond, you know, what the director or choreographer or whomever it is, or your professor asks you to do. Just don't do the minimum. Do not do the minimum. Keep it going. Give me more than that, right? Look, your professor is shaking her head yes. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're right. It's such a good lesson of, and everyone notices that responsible quality about you, and they take notice, and you then will be the one who they'll call when they're looking for the next part, which is what happened for when you then came on to, again, collaborate and direct uh, Godspell. Yep. And I think, which was the next year right after. I think it was, yeah, it was, it was two, yeah, 2011. I think it was the, the year right after. And you're, you're, I remembered your name popped up right away because um, Rick, Ricky, I think he was on the cruise ship by then, so he, he couldn't help out. But him and I had talked about some of the talent. And I said, no, not him, no, no. So what about Andrew, what about Andrew? Oh, I want him to do that song, All Good Gifts, because I knew you had this pure, beautiful, light, nice tenor voice. And then the character that you were reading for Godspell, you know, because Godspell, I, I just think it's such a great show anyway, you know, and we didn't do a lot of crazy nonsense like they did with the movie. We just kept it straight in. And I think, what was that, Andrew? What, what hurricane was that? What, there was like a storm or something that year. Remember? So I'm trying to remember what it was. It wasn't Superstorm Sandy, but I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, yeah, but I think what I just <laughs> love about talking with you is you carry all these stories with you and they're all lessons that you've curated and i think you know something to speak to the moment is i want to show everyone a few pictures of the recent tarzan production just to show oh okay yes you know what did this stage look like that you said had to be built right yes yeah yeah so and it was in outside the elmwood this zoo right Right. In, North, in Norristown, Pennsylvania, like some like a good 45, 50 minutes uh, from where I, from where we live, or, you know, and your mom and dad are, um, you know, going out toward King of Prussia in that area, Montgomery County. So, you know, their, their COVID numbers were really great, really low. So that, that's why they decided that they would give our theater company the thumbs up to start rehearsing and producing. But um, this was amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, as you can see, um, and it was 30 feet, 30 to 40 feet from the parking lot. 
So if you're looking at if you're looking at the stage, the parking lot was back where you would be where where you would you know where you're looking at the photo, mm -hmm. and um, it, it was it was just amazing to be a part of that. Uh, we rehearsed the whole month of August, and um, we had to take temperature checks. Um, our our stage manager Zach was amazing. Our head uh, stage manager. Um, yeah, you want to pull up another one, Andrew? Yeah, sure. I'll pull up the one with the cast. There. You yeah, go. yeah. Yeah, while I'm talking, yeah, uh, he was amazing during the rehearsal time because they had to build the set, so they had, we had a little bit of time, but we would still practice outside under like those big gazebo tents, and he would just kick us all out and just spray everything down and be like, "Don't touch this, don't breathe on that, don't." I mean, he was amazing because, of course, that was his job to keep us all healthy and safe, and as well, this theater company um, that I worked for, I did a couple of shows for them last year. They've only been in production for two years. So, you know, you had some of the people are like, oh, what are they doing out there? Are they crazy? It's COVID, blah, blah, blah. But, the, you know, we followed everything that needed to be done, you know, through Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania. And they gave us the thumbs up. They gave us the green light to be able to, uh, to do the show. And we were sold out. Oh, that's me and my, that's the opening, uh, that's opening night. No, that's not. Yeah. It's at a rehearsal, I think. But it, I don't know if you can see the masks. Mm, yeah. The little masks. Okay, so... In, in, uh, in underneath of those masks, our sound engineer built a, a plastic. Yeah, because you know how when you have your mask on, when you breathe in as a singer, you're sucking, you know, of course you're sucking your own mask, which I think is disgusting. But they built this plastic, almost like a plastic like mouthpiece, you know, like if you're like playing football or a sport. Mm -hmm. And then what they did was they went up through their wigs, you know how you have your mics and it's coming down either here. It came through and it came through where the mask was. Amazing. So that that's yeah. So they, so they're anchored in, and I think then they had filters put on on like another layer on top as well. And you know we had to test drive it, you know, a few times at some of the sound checks and stuff because some of the masks were moving too much, too close to what uh, the mics were moving too close to the inner part of the mask. So we had to make sure that they tweaked them. They touched everything. We didn't obviously we didn't touch anything, you know. And then our uh, our sound engineer was brilliant. He was amazing. He was like, all right, everybody, once it's on, leave it alone. Keep your hands clean and don't touch anything. So, so literally, like, they were being told that every day. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I was hearing that every day for three weeks that I had rehearsals with them. Don't touch anything. Da -da 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 -da. Don't, you know, don't go over here to this person. But we had some people that were um, brothers and sisters, some people that were quarantined together that were college students that, were, that we had recast and we rehired. And I figured that was, like, the smartest thing. You know, so instead of having a, an ensemble of 20, we only had an ensemble of 10. And then we only have five leads. And our Tarzan and Jane were, you know, were best friends. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. So when they got to do their songs and their singing, they were able to unmask with one another, but they were still far apart, far enough yeah. apart. You recreated kind of what everyone's been talking about with the NBA, that bubble. Like you created yes. your own kind of musical theater bubble with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we really did. And it was interesting because uh, like a lot of their families came to see the show and stuff like that, like outside, you know, like, and what I thought was really neat. Uh, I don't know how they did it. Uh, I know that all the tickets were sold online, mm -hmm. but then they had it where it was scanned, where they would come, you know, uh, they would come into the, into the zoo, into the park, and we had volunteers with their masks on. They scanned their temperatures and then they scanned their phone and then their number from where they were supposed to park their car in the parking lot was already there and it was like these big signs neon signs you know car number one and then this family name car number two and, then, and it was like staggered so it, 
it was like amazing, like opening night, I'm sitting there watching this, like this, this can work. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it just, it took a lot of creativity. It took tons of planning, tons of play. It was like, no, that's not going to work. Nope. That's not going to work. Okay. What do we, nope, that's not going to work. And we just kept hashing it out and hashing it out. But once we started seeing the vision of the stage being built and the tresses and the lighting and everything hung, the way that they did the costumes and the way that they were able to mask and mic everybody, then we were like, yep, we're golden. You know, they felt safe. Like the talent felt safe and we felt safe. And that's so important. We had like families with little kids up on on top of their, you know, like on top of their SUVs and they're having their little popcorn and stuff because it was 30 feet away, but it was so large. You know what I mean? The stage was so big that, you know, we didn't need screens on the side or anything like that, that you could really hear it and see it. And where we were was like kind of dipped in the valley. So guess what? You already had natural acoustics. Oh, so like the sound was just like, I was like one night I, I was just, It was so heavenly because the stars, it was so brilliant. You know, all the stars were out. And I think you could see, what was it, Saturn or Jupiter, one of the moons, remember a few weeks ago, where it was so bright. And you could just see all the stars. And I'm like, this is the perfect show. Tarzan, socially distanced, in the jungle. We're literally in the jungle. (laughs) So it was, you know, it was a win-win. It was a win-win for our theater community. It was a win-win for being able to hire the musicians and the talent because nobody was working. So it was a way for, you know, and then the families were like, we haven't seen live theater. I mean, they're used to going to the Metropolitan Opera or, you know, the Pennsylvania Ballet, or they're used to going to the Philly Pops or doing something in Pennsylvania. And there was like nothing for six months, you know? So people were just like, we're driving to Tarzan. You know, it was just, it was amazing. And of course, you know, we had stuff on social media as well too. And, you know, these are the safety protocols and everything's been approved because, you know, you're always going to have your naysayers as well. Oh, what are they doing? That can't be done. Oh, yes, it can if it's done correctly, you know, if you take the proper procedures. But, um, that, you know, now it's getting cold. Last weekend was our last shows. It was 40 degrees. They were like this. <laughs> I did a live thing. I'm like, how are you guys doing? They're like, we're freezing. So they bought like little heaters, you know what I mean, for them to be outside. They're ha- having hot chocolate with a hoodie on before they go out and dance in the jungle because it was 40 degrees last week. But, you know, I mean... And it was a full, a full audience out there as well, too. And uh, the, uh, the director, the artistic direct, director of the company said, thank you, everybody. I know it's cold. I know some of, the, some of the families didn't care. They were like, we are out hearing live music with live orchestra, with dancers and singers. You know, we had silks. They were swinging it. Tarzan and them were swinging in and out, doing flips. It was like this whole, you know, it was a lot of work. It was. And it wasn't me te- teaching the choreography and us doing the direction and it wasn't that it was the protocol you know of staying safe staying healthy don't touch this do that that's what was the hardest challenge yeah so and it seems like that's the optimistic lesson here like you're saying is thinking yourself out of this prescribed box like going back to the roots of the amphitheater which is actually where theater began in ancient greece that's right so we're back to our basics again that, that's how I feel. Yeah, back to our roots. I mean, if there's an amphitheater, uh, we have a, quite a few amphitheaters in South Jersey in our area too. Nobody did anything all summer. And I was surprised, but I just think because our numbers were higher and Governor Murphy was like, rah, rah, rah. I was like, oh, whatever. But you know, it, you know, you have to follow proper protocol in whatever state you're in, you know, so between New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, d- definitely different. Uh, for, for me, I was just so excited that I was actually going to be creating lots people again, not Zoom, 
and not videos and oh because after a while you know that it's it's exhausting in your eyes my eyes i gotta get my glasses on my eyes are tired i'm tired but then i'm driving i'm like oh wow i've had a whole tank of gas for six months because i hadn't gone anywhere <laughs> you know trapped in my house so yeah. i was like oh this is kind of fun and then i was like i'm tired <laughs> because i've gotten out of my routine you know i'd either either be driving up to hamilton princeton area to go to new york to do work or I'm either driving into Philadelphia or drive, you know what I mean? So I'm either in New Jersey, New York, or Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. I wasn't going anywhere. So it's kind of like we start to get sluggish and tired and a little lazy. And I was like, oh no, I have somewhere to go. Like it was so great. I had a purpose, you know? And um, and that's important, I think, too, especially during COVID, you know, for our students, you know, for your students, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and my professors, the professors I'm speaking to as well. I'm sure it's hard to, you know, to continue to keep your staff motivated, to continue to keep your students motivated so they don't go in the spiral of, oh no, when are things going to open? And I feel like I'm, it's, it's, it's been a a real challenge. We've seen that uh, with our students in our karate school. And I've seen that even with my, you know, my own children, my own son, you know, he's a junior this year, he's 16. And he's like, he's doing a hundred percent remote right now. And we'll wait and see if he's going to do the hybrid for a couple of days. But, you know, he'll go out and do basketball. He'll ride his bike, his BMX bike and stuff. But they, they need, we need interaction. We're, we're people. We need to have human contact. And, 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 and especially for those of us that are creatives, right? And we love teaching and we love, you know, being larger than life and sharing. You can only share but so much on the Zoom. You can only share but so much on your WebEx meetings. You really, we, we, we got to be there real time for each other. And that experience for me with with Tarzan a couple nights when I would come home I mean I didn't cry in front of them because I had to focus on okay what do we have to get done but you know I'm crying tears of joy because I'm like this is so great I get to see my dancers again and 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 be with the orchestra pit and actually share and talk about ideas and just being physically in a physical space with somebody else other than my family was like and but we're outside and it's gorgeous outside and you got the fresh air but it, it, it was just, it was, it was a beautiful, a beautiful, overwhelming experience. Yeah. And I know you and I have talked about this, which is that the Northeast suburbs are positioned, positioned in a really interesting way where I always, you know, I like that theater history of when shows would um, do tryouts. Yes. And most of the tryout places were um, New Hope, yep. Philadelphia, Atlantic City. Yep. And like that kind of stopped happening. And I think now there's a new opportunity of, oh, let's try out these Broadway productions in the suburbs. I hope so. I, I, I really hope so because that that's, I mean, they would just, you know, and, and it's interesting because we've gotten so technologically sound and safe with all these big productions. And I'm like, no, no, strip all that away. You've got a great score. You've got great singers and dancers and actors. You know, you can come together and do a cabaret or you can come together and do, you know, a, a, you know, a reading, like a table read or a little bit better than a table read of a show that's new, that's different, that you don't need all the glitz and glam. You know, you, sometimes you don't. If you just strip things away, like you were saying, old school amphitheater style, it just makes it so much easier. She has an appointment, but oh no, I want Susan, to, I, want her, I want you to speak. I want you to say hello and what you do. I want to know who you are, please. Oh Oh, thank you. I don't want to take people's time away from you. This has been so fabulous. I just am so uplifted by your spirit, your dedication. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. I'm going to go try to find everything you've done and watch it.
<laughs> oh, you're welcome. So, so Susan, what do you do? Please tell me what you do really quickly and, okay. and how you and Andrew are working together and what well, do you do at Stony Brook? This is important for me because I, I love education. I mainly try to keep up with Andrew and um, offer what guidance I can, but he's always so far ahead of me um, that it's just a delight to work with him. I feel we're much more collaborators than uh, teacher students. Nice. And I teach uh, 19th century American literature and over the past few years, Andrew and I both have been exploring Walt Whitman much more fully. Uh, we started working on events to celebrate Whitman's 200th birthday, and we've just both kept on with courses on Whitman, um, public projects, collaborations with the Art Museum, and so um, I, uh, I, I feel very lucky to be able to work with the wonderful students at Stony Brook, including Andrew. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your gift of education and English and the languages. And it's so important for us to know that, you know, depend, no matter what we end up doing with our careers, English, and because that, that was one of my favorite subjects as well, too. And Shakespeare and digging into the different dialects and the poetry. And it's so important. It just, it just makes us more well-rounded as people. Well, and you bring it all alive and spark that excitement in people. So yeah, we, we work together. Yes. Uh, but I'm afraid I have to go. I have uh, a dental appointment of all things. Yikes. But, uh, <laughs> I would so much rather be here, let me tell you. But I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to meet you. Um, thank so you, thank Professor Shackle. So and thank you, Andrew, for arranging this. And I'm glad it's being recorded because I know not everybody could make it at this time, but now everyone can benefit. So oh, thank awesome. you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for educating our youth. Yes. Oh. And for pouring your wisdom into this next oh. generation, because we need that. Well, thank you so a, much. It is a privilege. And I, I, I learn um, every day from this. That's week. how I feel. <laughs> bye. Oh, bye. 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 Have a great day. Thanks. Oh, so I think that's kind of like, uh, I would say that my act two, you know, like, you know, I, I still like to act and do print work and stuff, but I love being behind the scenes now with the choreography and the direction. And I love mentoring. That's my heart. That is my heart. I have five amazing students now. One's in England. Uh, the others are in Pennsylvania and scattered all over. And um, they, they've been working hard. They've been working really hard through the COVID. We've been doing the Zoom. I keep trying to, you know, make sure that they're, sometimes they would stay on the phone with me for a half hour later. Miss Renee in the theater and I can't dance at my school anymore. Like they're, because these are teens that are used to being expressive and being mm -hmm. with their friends and in different groups and playing basketball and softball. And, and now it's like nothing. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just stay on the phone with them and talk to them and just, yeah. you know, just hear their hearts because I, I, I'm an adult and I'm trying to process the COVID. Right. Like how, you know, 15, 16, you know what I mean? Trying to wrap their heads around that, that this is the time of their lives as teenagers. No yeah. proms, no graduations. Uh, imagine, you know what I mean? No Disney, yeah. the senior yeah. class trip, everything got canceled. Yeah. Well, so, you know, we're a little have, older, so. I have this mantra calendar that I always look to. And the quote for September is, a somebody was once a nobody who wanted to and did. And that like what I you're saying it. about you can i mean right now just even reaching out to you there is a thought in my mind saying i really should check in with renee and i keep seeing her on social media and i know that she would she has such wisdom to share with 
my students, but also to open up about thinking about the performing arts. And that's yeah. where to see that you're also, you're thinking outside the box. Like there are, there are so many opportunities happening right now of creativity. Like, and I even right. sent a video of myself yes. singing to my students. And I'm like, you know, this is how I'm processing what's happening. Here's myself singing. Like human. I saw them. Yes. I yeah. saw them. They were great. They were, no, they were awesome. And you know what, too, Andrew, you know what's really important is to let your students know, and I'm going to share this with them. My husband and I do a lot of different projects. We're working on a huge project now with a, an award-winning composer uh, who lives out in Pennsylvania, and we auditioned a whole bunch of teenagers for a PSA, a public service announcement, called Don't Forget to Wear a Mask. It's coming out soon. Can't tell you any more details. Oh. But the way that I, I find, not just only using my own students, but the way that I found find talent. It was just released. It was just released? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was just released. Oh, my husband's just telling me. <laughs> okay, great. Did we hear back from Jay yet? No. no, no okay. It looks great. It does look great. Okay. All right. Well, it was just released. Well, there you oh, go. I'm like waiting, going, you know, sometimes you can't say stuff until after the fact. Um, yeah, definitely send me, if you have a link to it, send it to me and I'll share it with this video. I, I will. I will. And also for your students as well, too, because I know that, you know, some of them are from out of state and in state and all over. Mm -hmm. It's always good for them to be able to have a network of people that they can reach out to, whether they're, you know, minoring in English or majoring in English or whether or not they want to test out the performing arts or maybe writing a play or a script. You know, it's, it's so important for them to stay in the circle. So now, now you all know how to find me through Andrew, <laughs> through your professor. And that's great. I mean, Andrew, you're, you, you know so many people as well, too, because you were at such a young age with all the talents that you had and your skills and ability, you were able to work with so many people in such a short time while you were down in Washington Township. Yeah, and, and now look they, at you now, you know, you're, like, you're you know, going for your degree and yeah. teaching. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and I feel like now I'm, I'm paying it forward. Like I'm just trying to pay forward all the experiences I had in showing my students, look at these opportunities. And like, you never know, I reached out to a composer of a Whitman opera. His name is Matt Alcoyne. And I just sent him an email and I said, I just saw your opera at the Brooklyn, um, where is it? Uh, Bam? Bam, thank you, Bam, the Brooklyn yep. Academy of Music. Bam, yep. And would you be interested in celebrating Whitman's symposium at Stony Brook and coming out? And he said, he responded the next day. And I've used that lesson with so many people. Like, you never know. Most people, they're going to check their email and, you know, they're it's interested funny. to collaborate. You know, like never think, yes. oh, this person is out of my league or they're not going to reach yeah. out to me. And guess what? Guess what, Andrew? Especially not now, because guess what? We're all in the same boat, maybe in different boats, but we're all, seriously, we're all in the same boat. All my friends that were doing tours and on Broadway and away over, guess what? Everybody's home now. Do you know what I mean? So everybody's on the same, you know, on the same playing field as to now what do I do? What do I do with my time and talent? I can't physically go into the theater now. What other skills do I have? What other things can I do yes. to help me to get the income coming in so that I can continue to, and that's, oh, that's been a big, huge lesson for a lot of my friends that are a little older than me that are in their mid fifties and early sixties. And they're like, well, I was always the Broadway diva. I always had my show. I'm like, well, you don't now. So now what? So now what? Now what? You yeah. have to think what other, well, this is all I learned, or this is all I did. Well, now guess what? Now it's time to get a new skill. 
You know what I mean? Now it's time to reinvent yourself. Now it's time to start doing talks. Now it's time to start giving back. Well, I don't teach. I, I can't teach. Okay. Well then you better figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Some of the jazz musicians and stuff like they've opened Birdland and a few other places, the Blue Note. The, those guys are all plexied up. All the musicians, they're playing live and you can send them money through Venmo or whatever, but everybody has to pay their bills. You know what I mean? Everyone has families and things. Yeah. So it, 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 they, they have to think outside the box or else. Yes, yes. And I'm just, I think everything that you've been talking about is that passion and bringing people together thinking creatively and realizing that you can do something with the skills you have. Like, I think the hardest thing that I've seen, just even from those who are at the university right now, is if you start to have a mental collapse and you feel emotionally depleted, like there's nothing you can do. And it's like what you said about your students. Some of them said, well, I can't perform on stage right now. What do I do? And I think that once you realize, like even having this conversation with you right now, it triggers all the happy neurons that I'm experiencing. Like, oh, there's people who are trying to think creatively and we are forming communities. Like it's, but again, that wouldn't happen if I was, you know, addicted to watching my phone right now. Like I wouldn't be sharing (laughs) this experience. and. You know, I think though, once people, that's why I keep saying to people, find the things that get you mentally stimulated and continue making sure you're in a positive space because, you know, the news is going to keep continuing. Like it's an oh, endless yeah. sometimes cycle. Sometimes you just have to go click. Sometimes you have to turn that off. Like sometimes I can't, like, I can't, I can only watch it in bits. <laughs> like after dinner, like I don't do 11 o'clock news because then that's the last thing that's on my mind when I go to sleep. You know, I'd rather have, you know, being, you know, thinking about thankful thoughts of, oh, I'm thankful for today that I had this happen or that happen. And sometimes, you know what, guess what? Sometimes you just have to, you just have to make yourself happy. Like you just have to, for me, it's like, I got, okay, I'm putting on some music. Let me just dance. Let me, you know, let me go bang on the piano. Let me go bang on the cajon or on the drums. Like what makes, you know, what, what's going to help me to stay yeah. positive and upbeat. You know, exactly. and or, or sometimes just looking at old pictures, you know, yeah. just looking at old stuff. Yes. And, wow, I did those things. That's such a blessing. How cool is that? Like counting our blessings and going backwards and yeah. going, wow, I didn't realize that. You know, when I come into this office, because I have stuff everywhere all around, I'm like, oh, there's my friend Brigitte from Holland and there's so-and-so from Germany. And there's, you know, and I'll talk, sometimes I'll talk to their pictures because I, oh, I don't see them all, all the time. You know, some of them, unfortunately, some of them have passed away, whether it was, you know, drug overdose or AIDS or whatever else. So some of them have been gone and that's sad too, but I still remember them. You know what I mean? You speak and, to them. and I think that's so powerful, Renee, because I do a lot of mantras. Like I write a mantra every day in my calendar in the morning. I say, today I'm going to be joyful. Today I'm going to send love to people. Um, mm-hmm. And I practice yoga. I love yoga, um, just to stretch my body. I want to try hot yoga. I want to try hot yoga. Before. One of my friends like said it's it. really good. It is. Really? She said she almost passed out. I've never, I've never done it before. Like, I usually do, like, the Pilates 
with the stretching and, you know, I have all the bands and equipment and stuff like that, you know, as I'm getting older, you know, um, so, you know, certain things just hurt and don't work as well as I used to. And that's normal. That's natural. Um, but, you know, I, I want to always try, I always wanted to try that hot yoga. They're like, yeah, it's so hot in there and you're trying to stretch. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I was <laughs> yeah, I actually started, I was doing that a lot before the pandemic. I did like six days a week of hot yoga. Yep. Yeah. But like, oh yeah. 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 But now what oh, I yeah, do. So your body, everything's like all over. Yeah. But what I do now is I walk an hour and 15 every day. I try to walk five miles. And I just listen to music and I imagine, like that's my imaginative space. Actually, after I get off with you, I'm just gonna listen to the music. I live right by the Long Island Sound and I'm just so grateful that I have such beautiful nature. And it's so good for your creative juices. Yeah, it's, right? It just, it keeps you in a good headspace. And that's what I say to everyone. Yeah, it does. Yeah, when I say, you know what's not taken away from us right now is nature. Being outside, we still have that. Yes. Yep. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm 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 grateful for that. Yeah. The the other day I was with my son, we just drove out down the Long Beach Island just to see the ocean and, and hear the waves and the sand. You know, where we are, of course, where you grew up too, you know, you have the trees and we still have the deer and the rabbits and yes. stuff and just being thankful that we're not living in a city on top of each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That you have that you have space. I remember at Stony Brook that because that's a beautiful campus too. Yeah. And I remember, you know what I mean, the wide spaces and just being able to walk through and the grass and the trees, just beautiful. I forgot. That's right. That's right, Long Island Sound. That's right. You're closer to the water, right? Where you are. Yes, yes, yes. Going out. I actually live I live on the on the Long Island Expressway, what do you, what do you like? What were the um? Remind me, what were some of the exits? So we're as, as, as a, Stony Brook is driving from a Delphi or Hollister. Yeah, Stony Brook is exit sixty two. And I think okay. Garden City so like would Fox be like thirty. Garden City. Thirty four. Yeah, yeah. Five, something like that. Yeah. So what are you doing? Like going up, passing like Valley Stream and stuff, and you keep going, right? Yeah, you have to pass. Is that Huntington. the right direction? So you have to go east. Huntington, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh my God. It's, it's been so long. Like I've always wanted to go back and visit, but I'm not, I've never, I haven't had the chance to go back to Long Island to visit. And that well, would be too strange. We'll socially distance and I'll go take you on a walk to the beach. That's the visit. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to. No, that would be great. But of course, then I'd have to make my way up. I'd have to do, I'd have to, I have to stop by Garden City. I'd have to stop at Adelphi and keep going because um, I, rem- I do remember you all had like the, the black box that was up there at Stony Brook. Yep, and we I still remember, have it. Yeah, we still um, have it. Yep. I, re- I remembered some of the dancers, some of us performers from Adelphi, Hofstra, SUNY Purchase yeah. all went to Stony Brook because you guys were doing something and it was like, it was so awesome. It was like this massive workshop and I can't, I can't remember who was there, but I just remember like all the different colleges and they only picked a few of us to go to this workshop. I want to say it might've been Lee Theodore. Maybe it was American Dance Machine. And she was the original Anybody's in West Side Story. I think it might've been, she's, wow. she's been passed away. She's been gone for at least 20 years now. But I think it was Lee Theodore's master workshop out there. And okay. it was at Stony Brook. Cause I remember like, well, this is a nice college campus too. Like I- <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll probably edit this part out, but I've wanted to tell you this since I've started talking to you again, Renee, but one of my passion musicals is 
Debbie Allen's choreography for Carrie. Have you ever seen when she did the <laughs> Carrie musical? It was like, but it was, yeah. it's so intense in all the good ways. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, these dancers are dancing. You want to hear something interesting though about that show? Yeah. Was when we were doing Starlight Express, hang on, I'm trying to remember, we were in Germany. Fritz Kurtz was the, was the producer at that point before, like when it was Stella. So this must've been 88, 89, and they were losing all this money from Carry On Broadway. And he was telling us how we had to make sure that our show was great so that he can, so, oh, the, so that he doesn't lose his sixth house. But yeah, Carrie, and then uh, what was it after that? Come on, not Dracula. It was like two or three years later that oh. they tried to produce Dance of the Vampire. Or the yes, Oops. yes, there's Dance. Well, there was Lestat, Lestat, Lestat. Yeah, Lestat. Yeah, it wasn't that one. It was the other one. Yeah, I think it German is Dance of the Vampires. Yeah, it, it was Tense of the Pompier. Yeah, tan Dance of the Yeah, that's what it was, Dance of the Vampires. Yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, he's telling us to, to be fabulous in the show that we're already fabulous in because he doesn't want to lose his sixth home because Carrie wasn't doing a good job on Broadway and it was like flopped. It was a flop or something. I was like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, but wow. yeah, you're right. You're right. The dancing in that was fierce. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll have to, I'll <laughs> share to with leave. you. Yeah, I'll share with you. They did one Go of the, they did a reunion of it on Stars in the House and the whole story apparently is that German backer, the German producer, they were getting Fritz, sold out. Yeah. They were getting sold out houses on Broadway, but he like just up and left with all the money. Cause he was going That's into banking. Yeah, yeah. It was very shady. It was either him or his partner cause it was two of them, something like that. Yeah, something yeah. shady happened. Interesting, because I just remember him saying that coming in during a the, or the break and going, "Oh well, Carrie's not doing a good job, and if this show doesn't sell out, then I'm going to lose my sixth summer home." And we're all looking at him like, "Well, we just want one summer home." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, know your audience. It was, it was yeah, it was his it was his house on the French Riviera or something ridiculous like that. I don't know. It it's funny because um when we lived in Europe and in Germany and traveling, it was amazing. Do you know what I mean? And 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 being able to live in different countries and learning the languages and the cultures. But um, you know, I don't know, then once 9-11 happened and then once I had my kids, I was like, oh, okay. You know, like if if I get back there, I'd like to go back and visit and see my friends and in Japan too and you know, maybe Australia. But I don't know. Right now I'm like, okay. You know, COVID, we can't go anywhere anyway. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> But you're but, such a, you're a you know. fierce dancer. I mean, you really are. Like when I when I think of the oh, adjective fierce, I think of Renee Lisiaga because <laughs> and like hey, guess what? I I I could still when when I was teaching you guys Smokey Joe's, I was still able to do those twirls. But that well, was a I while remember, ago. I remember so, the twirls. Things don't things kind of are still working. Things are still working. I have a little bit of you know some hip problems here and there from a fall. I actually injured myself last year. Oh. And um, as a result of that, unfortunately, you know, like things are not as, but I mean, I, I could still get my legs up. I can still, you know, there's certain things I could still do really good. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. But then later I'm like, oh, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so, so am I performing for you before we, before we wrap up? Yeah. Do you want to do just a little something to wrap up? Sure. Okay, let's put a bookmark in this. The Ivory Tower Boiler Room team consists of Andrew Rimby, that's me, a co-creator, along with Adam Katz, fellow co-creator, 
Erica Grumet, our media director, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, and Jaron Usta, our head of marketing. Please follow Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Instagram, Ivory Tower Boiler Room, Twitter, Ivory Boiler Room, and Facebook, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Basically, look up Ivory Tower Boiler Room on any social media and you'll find us. Our website is easy to find. It's ivorytowerboilerroom.com. And we do really want to encourage you all out there, if you are interested to be interviewed by us or want to interview us or want to contribute creative writing or nonfiction writing, please, please email us ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. We are always checking our email. And we also want to thank our official sponsor, Words Matter Bookstore, located in historic Pittman, New Jersey. So if you live in the South Jersey, Philly area or in New Jersey, it's really worth a trip to head to Words Matter Bookstore. Also, you can order books on wordsmatterbookstore.com. And we are going to end our episode with our official theme song, Loverman, co-created by Anne-Sophie Anderson and Megan Ames. Okay, we hope you all are staying safe and healthy out there. Bye for now.